0: And welcome to the Event Safety Podcast. I'm Danielle Hernandez.
1: And I'm Steve Edelman.
0: And uh, recently, guys, we, we had a whole day of Event Safety TV. And we're going to bring you a special session from that that we're going to re-release as a pod. Um, it's It has a fun title. It's called Guests with Grievances. And, you know, Steve, we I recently had an event where I had an unhappy patron who was Didn't agree with the decision as to where he was supposed to be parking. and A guest with a grievance. A guest with a grievance. And instead of asking for a supervisor, he actually hit my parking attendant with his car. How many times, Danielle? Twice. That would be twice he hit him with the car. Now, the parking attendant, we're going to call him Jim. Not Jim Digby. He's not. No, different Jim. Uh, Is fine. We had an EMT on site and we got him checked out and uh, all that. But that was, that was a guest who reacted to a relatively normal instruction of you have to drive your car to this direction to park in the lot for this event with a, a, what, in my opinion, is a very unreasonable response of hitting someone with a vehicle. So we thought this message perhaps was worth sharing again, some, some ways to deal with guests with grievances and... and
1: Yeah, so that's why we're going to re-release our conversation with Becca Willis from Duke University. um, Because, well, in case you missed it last week or have not um, checked out the video version of that conversation on YouTube, all of our conversations are on YouTube now, uh, we wanted to recontextualize that particular conversation because Danielle just had it happen at her school last night. Um, again, thankfully, no thankfully, physical. everyone's in- OK. Everyone's OK, at least physically. Um, Danielle and I had a conversation offline in which I made some comments on behalf of my brethren in the law, um, but Jim, in air quotes, um, So far has not lawyered up. We'll see if that changes. Hopefully also his medical and emotional condition will remain just fine and everyone will go about their business. But the issue of guests with grievances is well, a hot enough topic in our world that we wanted to share it with yours.
0: Yeah, no way unique to me in any way. So uh, again, if you wanna watch it, it's on YouTube. And other than that, enjoy. Hello. Welcome to Event Safety TV. This episode is Peace in the Neighborhood, providing event security for guests with grievances. And
1: other people with grievances and issues as well. Um, When when we wrote that title, it seemed like we would be primarily audience-focused, and that was wishful thinking. So. Today, we are thrilled to have our dear friend, Becca Willis from Duke University. Here's a mouthful of a job title for you. Becca is the Assistant Director of Athletics, Game Day Operations, Championships, and Events. And I suspect she does a whole lot more than even that unwieldy job title. So Becca is going to chat with us about, well, trying to provide event security at this fabulous moment in history. And well before we started recording, Becca was telling us about amazing things that happened in the sports of basketball and soccer and also medical issues. So um let's Welcome, just... Becca <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. good luck Becca. We're Danielle and I are going out for coffee now. Um, so Becca Willis Tell us stuff about what's happening in the world of event security by you these days.
2: Thanks, Danielle and Steve. Um, great to be here. Really, what we're seeing in event security on on the call in the in the college campus environment is really just a different twist on many of the things that we've already seen and experienced before but it just seems like in many ways, it's heightened responses to common problems that we've always seen. So it seems in many ways, you know, guests are more, trying to think the best way. Guests are more, or guests have a more intense response to annoyances around them, or things like masking guidelines or COVID requirements in and around an event. and and it's not just with the guests, um, you know, Steve and Danielle, as you guys mentioned, it's also making sure that we're supporting the staff that are helping enforce those guidelines and assist those guests as they're going through and facing a lot of these really challenging situations at times um, as we try to provide great guest services and address grievances and, and difficulties around around guests, and sometimes our staff is getting responses that they're not necessarily used to as well.
0: This is sort of the short fuse thing that's happening on airplanes as well, right? That's the same. Do you guys have any uh, strategies that you're utilizing?
2: Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, we're, um, in, in many ways, we're one of many venues Um, in our indoor venues where we require masking. And one of the big things that we've said to a lot of our ushers and a lot of our staff in and around those venues is, number one, I think we start every briefing for every game day with one word, which is patience, Um, which is so important right now as people are getting back into the world, getting back into more events, getting back into more crowded events, um, coming out of all of the experiences over the last year and a half. And it's not just patience with the guests, it's patience with each other. It's patience with other staff that are just learning their jobs because it's so many times we have event staff where today is their first day and they're getting on the job, on the on the fly training. And so, you know, patience is number one, what we always say at the very beginning of every event briefing. Um, and then number two, going after that is, you know, just even as many, as hard as it can be and as frustrating as it can be along that same theme, even if it's the fifth time you've asked a, a guest to put a mask on or, you know, follow another protocol in venue, treat that as the very first interaction you've had with that guest. Um, going along with patients, but also, you know, it's very masking in particular is one of those things that is a hot button topic for a lot of people. Um, and so, especially when there are obvious exceptions for when you're eating, when you're drinking, it may be really hot in the venue that day, things like that as you're going on. And going back and having that patience to as long as the guest is not you know, being disrespectful or aggressive back at the staff member to just have that patience to say, hey, please put your mask on. You know, it's a venue policy as we go and having that that patience to treat that guest like it's the first time you're talking to them over and over again. And recognize, too, that, hey, give the person credit when they follow your instructions um, and, you know, hey, even if you've talked to the same person four times, you know, don't go back at that same person when they're wearing a mask and following the you know following policies and directions so doing the best you can not to escalate a situation further when someone is following directions because of maybe past behavior at other events or at the same event if you if you encounter the same guest over and over again
1: let's contextualize this conversation just a little bit so becca willis you're at duke university which is in durham north carolina so as far as i understand it you're in sort of a progressive island in a sea of not progressive. Is that more or less accurate?
2: Generally speaking in the area, yes.
1: And so you're actually dealing with two things that are kind of fascinating and you're living a microcosm of both of them. So you have a rather mixed population coming to Duke University athletic events, and because you're dealing with a student population, you have massive turnover of staff kind of built in, don't you? You know, as the school year ends and the next one begins, you've got to start with all new people.
2: In in a number of ways, yes. And it's also something too within just within um, our, our office with student interns and and new employees that are coming in to the to the venue for some of our young professionals they didn't get to work events the last 2 years either um as coming in and so we have a lot of turnover um we also have a lot of contract staff in the area but at the same time we have a lot of our, those same contract staffing challenges that everyone is facing right now in terms of turnover of supervisors, people who retired during the pandemic, new staff coming in, people who maybe are only comfortable working outdoor events and not working indoor events right now um, as, you know, as we still continue to navigate the challenges of the pandemic. And so, yeah, we, we generally see a lot of turnover um, in, not only in staff, but in the population as well. And something that we found that's really unique within the college environment that I know a number of my colleagues in this realm are facing as well, is that many of our students, instead of having 25% of your student population who doesn't know what's going on or what to do around an event, a lot of us now have 50% or more because of the restrictions that were on events and on attendance and things like that um, last academic year.
0: As someone else who works at a college, I totally, totally can relate to that. It's, it's everyone is new, even if they've been there for for several years at this point. At least they're new in the sense of specific responsibilities or on on the job experience sort of things. So, are you having to have like rolling trainings or a lot of extra you know, oversight?
2: Yeah, so we've we've been doing a lot of different things with training and looking at the resources that we're giving staff. A lot of what we're trying to do is um, focus on five to seven things, and those are the five to seven things that you need to remember about today, and everything else will be on your brief sheet that you need to know um, to help answer questions and just try to get those. Uh, and we look at the feedback that we get from guests at a given game, what questions we get what, you know, complaints we get or what concerns are brought to our attention. And then we use those to shape what we're briefing our staff on for the next event and the next event and the next event. Um, to So that way our briefings really become dynamic and flex on what we saw. You know, my our, our briefings for an event on Tuesday will be shaped by our briefings and what happened at the event on Friday. And just trying to help staff learn their way through their events. Um, one of the things that we've also really done and tried to do is celebrate the small victories with staff as they go through. So, hey, you did a really great job getting all those people through this entrance and you screen them all properly. And, oh, it's your first day, way to go. You know, and, and providing those, you know, we do pins and coins and stuff like that to try to assist and really celebrate the small victories and celebrate those things that can help give that new staff confidence as they go through. Um, At when they're just working their regular responsibilities, or when they're addressing guest concerns and grievances, like we're talking about as well, and making sure that we applaud them when they handle a situation really well, even if it wasn't necessarily an outcome that, you know, you never want to, you never want the outcome to be, hey, I'm sorry that guest has to leave, but If the staff member did everything they were supposed to do, we can celebrate that staff member and understanding how to elevate, understanding what to do and following that process correctly, especially if it's the first time they've done it or the first time they've done it this year or the first time they dealt with it in an indoor venue as opposed to an outdoor venue that has completely different policies. And so really trying to use those things to boost the confidence of staff and use those opportunities to train on the fly has been really good for us through our first three to four months and something that we're really going to continue through the rest of the year.
0: Positive reinforcement is just an amazing tool. And that's,
2: that's
0: some of what you said. I was like, pins, I could do pins. I'm going to steal pins. All right. Um, So one of the things that we've been recognizing just through the news and through our own experiences is that all the old problems still exist. And we've just added, added the other ones on top, right? So what are the, some of those older risks are you encountering and how are you compensating for them with all new staff and new procedures?
2: Yeah. And and that's a great point. Really. It's never the, the old problems never fully disappear, right? I mean, we still have all of our standard problems with, um, with, as everyone does, right, with fraudulent tickets, with bad tickets, you know, the secondary market is everybody's favorite thing. Um, The, uh, you know, parking, and where do I park? And where do I go? And I couldn't get right, the assistance shuttle took too long to get me where I needed to go. And, you know, all of those things are still are still present and still there. And um, again, I think some of what we've seen is just that maybe heightened reaction to them because people are a little bit more on edge coming around crowds and doing those things or it's their first day back and they're worried that did I not do X, Y, or Z because now there's eight steps to enter the venue instead of three. Um, and so again, really trying to use those those same techniques and and we, we spent a lot of time on the front end training on the knowns and going over the knowns And using that time to say, hey, the new problems, the reactions and a lot of the solutions to the new problems are the same as the old ones. And you can use that same approach of just patience, you know, empathy, letting the guest voice their concern, voice their point of view. Right. Because in many ways. we we always try to tell our staff, fair is not in your eyes, fair is in the eyes of the person who is making, who is uh, addressing their, their concerns. And so, um, you know, empathy, patience, letting people explain their side of the story and always providing, and when you can, a why. Why are you asking somebody to do something? Why do they need to, you know, why do I need you to sit over here? Why can't you put leave this right in the middle of this aisle? Why do I need you to put on a mask? Um, you know, it doesn't always work, but at least it gives someone a reason to sit and think about for 30 seconds um, before they, they, um, they come back. Because many times just explaining why goes a really long way as opposed to just saying you can't do something.
1: So how do you do this? I mean, this all sounds wonderful. And I'm sure that the next thing you're going to tell us is that you have flawless, problem-free events, um, because <laughs> these are all outstanding ideas. So Becca Willis, do you have flawless, problem-free events at Duke Athletics?
2: No. There's no such thing as a perfect event, ever. There's no such thing as what? a flawless event. What? Why did we have you on then? <laughs> what is all this <laughs> I'm nonsense? Oh, this, and my five to seven things. <laughs> this all sounded smart. Now i need to throw my notes away. <laughs> Damn it! Well, because actually, um, they people ask that question all the time and it's the, well, there's no such thing as a perfect event, right? So it's because we all do the best we can with what we've got and taking the circumstances and Hey, I might need to, move supervisors around to cover here or, hey, we're short here this day, but I know that I know that supervisor Joe is great and I know he's always upstairs, but I'm going to have him cover downstairs and go here tonight because I think he's ready for it. And, you know, our full-time staff member that's on that gate can help him if he runs into something. Um, So a lot of what we do, and to your point in terms of how do we make this work, is we we work really hard as a full-time staff, and I, I give all the credit to them. They're amazing. We have a full-time staff of 11 plus um, a full-time intern who are absolutely incredible. And a lot of what we do with our contract staff and our venue staff is they know who has their back. And if they need something, we will go as full-time staff and be that next step for them to support them, elevate them, and say, hey, if and support and elevate them and say hey these are our venue policies this is why this person's just helping us out and trying to do their job today and and they're that first step and then they can elevate to us to assist as needed because really in many ways in um in a venue where and in an environment where we have a lot of new staff you know we know the venue policies best we know what we're supposed to be so and it's not always perfect are we sometimes stepping in because staff made a mistake and communicated policies incorrectly? absolutely that happens more than once in a given game day right or event or anything that we have going on but that's where we can work with the staff but they know that we've got their backs um, and we do the best we can to answer their questions on the fly we'll stop um I know I I run around. On a basketball game day, if I get less than 30,000 steps on a basketball game day, it's it's a miracle. Um, All the staff joke around that I'm usually I'm this blur that's just going around the stadium. But, you know. And it's the same way with many of our staff. This is what we do. We run around, we but we interact with staff along the way. We make sure they're okay. Hey, you got any issues in this section tonight? How are we doing? Hey, you know, I know you had I know you had a rough game last Friday. You're doing all right. How are we doing today? You know, keeping that human as well and making sure that the staff know that our full-time staff see them not just as hey you're working in my venue and you're the you're the person that's working section 11 but you're my partner today you're on my team today and and we can't get through this without you. Does that work? It does in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's hard. It takes a lot of energy, but um we we It seems to work really well. Um, We get amazing buy-in from our staff. They try really, really hard, um, and we've seen really great growth even with the number of new staff we have over the last three months going through football and basketball, and especially for those of us on college campuses, the month of November is always really hard, particularly in athletics because of the crossover seasons and just the growth of the staff through the month of November. Um, has been amazing, just because we're always together. So they know us all, and we all know them after you know the number of events we've had. And it it takes a lot of effort. Um, and I know that that's not necessarily always possible in an event in an event world and across different venues. And that's that's our experience on a college campus because um, we have that team and we had that's just how we're structured. But as much as as much as you can figure out a way to. Have your contract staff feel like they're part of the team um, and that they are supported from above is, um, and from the people on site is huge and can go a long way.
1: And how so that sounds incredibly labor intensive, but it sounds like you've made it work. Um, So let's change the focus to the other side of this equation, which is the fan experience. So how have the fans been as they've been allowed back into both your indoor spaces? And I know this is a somewhat special season for Duke basketball, so there may be a slightly different vibe than even the usual season. So how are the fans at your indoor spaces? And then let's talk about them at your outdoor spaces.
2: Yeah, um, it, the fans in general... Um, in many ways was very happy to be back. So we were in a situation where we had no spectators at any events of any kind uh, for all of the 2020, 2021 academic year. Um, So in many ways, people were just really happy to be back in venues. They were very thankful to be back, um, be able to, you know, see their classmates compete, see their, see their, kids compete and just see their favorite teams and, and coaches back in action in person um so in many ways that was great um we had some even initially we were in uh for the first about two months um of the season we were in universal masking indoors and outdoors so that was definitely a challenge um it enforcing as best we could um, the students themselves were used to it because that was the expectation for them on a daily basis on campus. Guests were a lot more challenging, especially when you're trying to explain to someone why they have to wear a mask outdoors. Um, but in many ways, um, we got through it. Again, it's that it's constant reminders and and things like that. And there are times where it's like, hey, you know what? We're just not going to poke the bear on this one. Um, and you you take your wins where you can get them and you go. Um Coming into indoors um, with basketball, as you mentioned, with this being a very special season, um, we had to put some more requirements in place for basketball than we have for any of our other events. Um, Men's and women's basketball is where we require proof of vaccination or a negative test within 72 hours. Um, And there were people who were not big fans of that. And we're still struggling with, you know, uh, guests and people who say, well, I can't be a fan. If I'm wearing a mask, I can't yell as loud. No one can hear me. Um, but you know, we're doing the best we can. We, I guess in some ways we, we play in a very old venue. Um, Cameron Indoor Stadium opened in 1940. Um, so we, that in some ways is also some of the reasons why we're doing a lot of these things in addition to wanting to be at full capacity for a very special season as we go um and so you know we know that cameron indoor stadium is not the same thing as a modern arena in terms of many of its of its um amenities and and how it and how the building operates
1: and so I, I was actually really surprised when i visited you a couple of years ago there at how small it is i mean it looks you know normal size on tv and it's actually a lot smaller than that in person which i imagine you know tends to raise the level of excitement in good and not so good ways.
2: Yeah no it's it's a tight venue um, and let me tell you you'll walk out I and you're on a big game your ears are ringing for an hour or two after the game it's it's loud. It's designed to be loud you're on top of you're right on the students are right on top of the court the fans are right on top of the court there's a reason why it's uh, consistently voted one of the most intimidating places to play. Um, in college basketball and also on the uh, on the bucket list for many people. And that bucket list is also one of the reasons why we were really careful in how we constructed everything for this game or and for basketball policies in this season. Because, you know, requiring proof of vaccination and a negative test, if someone doesn't know and they bought tickets on the secondary market and the number and just the – Potentially obscene dollar amount that could have been paid to come and then to turn around and get to the door and say sorry you can't get in um, was not going to go well or be an option. Um, so we made sure that we had rapid tests available on site um, to be able to take care of people if they're in that situation. Um, Where are we? We have an online COVID check-in for a verification online, so you don't have to necessarily wait at a tent. Um, And the guests are getting much better. Everyone's getting used to the process now, which is um, it's getting a lot smoother, which is great. Um, You know, we we've had our challenges with it. And, um, you know, and one of the nice things for us, again, being in that college and university environment is a lot. We have a great relationship and partnership with our disability uh, management system here on campus and with accommodations. And so um they have been very active with us and are, have been great partners and whenever we get questions about hey i have a medical condition or whatever they'll review them all for us and assist the guest with whatever they need um in terms of accommodations and let us know what they've cleared what they haven't and um in many ways having them on call or available in person on game day to assist with guests um and around events that we have um where people say, you know, where people may need accommodations for masking or um, has been wonderful to have them at our disposal to assist with that.
0: So that sounds like a fantastic resource. Do you, are, are you still doing something like um, uh, wanding or baggage checks or clear bags or something like that as well?
2: Yeah. So when you're so- saying
0: that that check-in process is is pretty long.
2: Yeah, so to, to come in for, for a basketball game, it's um, a COVID verification. So um, basically at the front of the screening lanes to make sure that you have the, the COVID clearance from the online app or a wristband, if you only had your physical card or something like that. We do the physical checks away from the gates and then have people come in to not back up the lines. Um, then after that, you go through um, an entry screening pro- process, which involves uh, metal, metal screening, or wanding for, or, you know, medical accommodations is needed around that screening process. Then once you go through screening, then you get your ticket checked from there. um, Having a mask on is part of the entry screening process. So if you don't have a mask, um, you are provided one at screening, a disposable one. And if you, um, that is all part of the screening process. So if you don't have a mask on, you're not even going to get into the screening lanes or you're going to pick one up right away. Um, And then... And then after ticket scanning, then you go into the stadium and then you've got your ushers and directional staff from there that are all around the stadium to check as well. Um, And, you know, we have our ushers check when someone leaves the aisle, mask has to be on before they get on the concourse. Mask has to be on before they get back in their seats, unless they're like actively eating a burger as they're walking around. Um, So we, we have lots of checkpoints kind of throughout the venue built in. But at the same time, we also have... You know, disposable masks available when people need them. We have clear masks available if we need them for accessibility accommodations. You know, we have other we have other accommodations that our disability management office has said, hey, have this handsy in case someone needs it and call us if you need to know um, whether that's appropriate for somebody. So, um, it is a lot. It's you know more than just entry screening and ticket scanning. Now there's all there's those two extra steps, um, but we're getting through it and it's and it's flowing. We've we redesigned our entire entry uh, to make it all work, and it's flowing pretty well.
1: This is actually teeing up a conversation we're going to have later in the same day uh, with Betty Siegel from the Kennedy Center uh, talking about. Disability related accommodations at this fabulous moment in time. So, Becca, it's actually really fantastic to hear how you've integrated that into game day ingress procedure. It sounds like it's pretty seamless.
2: We're trying. <laughs> you know, you're it's never perfect, as you said, right? I'm not gonna say it's perfect, but when it when it flows well, it flows very well for us. Um, and We're again, we're getting better every game and that's all we can ask from all of our staff and really our guests just in terms of getting used to it and coming back. So um, it's been a good month, first six weeks of events indoors with all of this coming and uh, we're excited for for what comes next over here over Thanksgiving break and then ahead of us once we get into conference play. So
1: I'm wondering if there's an analogy to be drawn here. I I remember, you know, however many years ago it was, 15 or so years ago, when hand wands and even walkthrough magnetometers started to become common um, after 9-11. And initially, there was quite a lot of pushback. And, you know, of course, I think about the lawsuits that were filed that I remember. And eventually, you know, as an event-going community, we just got used to going through you know mags of one sort or another and you know as professionals we got used to doing it faster and it just became integrated into the fabric of ingress procedure are you seeing some of that kind of acculturation process where people are just kind of getting used to you know some sort of covid screening as part of ingress
2: a little bit with our with our guests that are coming regularly. They're now used to it. They, they know exactly what to do and, and they're in good shape. Um, we do see a little bit more of a, of a pushback from some of our guests that are coming from the first time. Um, again, in the secondary market is always challenging because you have no idea what information that those guests have received, which is likely none um, because they just wanted to go to an event and found their tickets in some other way. Um, And so that's always the challenge, really. Um, And that's where, in many ways, we've tried to get in front of it with massive stuff on social media before every game um, or in in every event. Um, And even even campus events um, have done a great job of getting that stuff, getting that information out, getting the expectations out so that people understand. Um, We do a lot before each of our events, not only engaging our own fans on social media, but trying to engage the visiting fans that are coming in um, using um, a lot of their like Twitter handles and social media handles and things like that as they go through just to maybe just for the, Oh, if they see that they got mentioned by at Duke game day, maybe they we retweet it and then all of their 2 million followers will see it and then know what to expect when they come. So, we, we've had more, I think we've had a lot of success going through digital and some of what those of us that are a little bit more seasoned would consider non-traditional <laughs> of, I'm much older than I look. Um, <laughs> and, um you know, then, okay, is, this, like, is
1: this when I get to bust out your PhD in biomedical engineering? Is is that the right moment?
2: <laughs> sure. Um, but you know, it, it's using getting creative and making sure that We're engaging with guests the way that they want to engage, right? So it may be that putting out a graphic on Instagram with your policies is actually going to be way more effective at reaching guests, you know, in the 14 to 22 age group than even going on Twitter or posting something on a website or on your newsfeed because that's not the way they engage. And so it's really figuring, it's thinking about your audience, thinking about what platforms they use and how they want to receive information and doing the work and is it work? Yes, it is a lot of work, but getting that work in on the front end to engage prior to getting to the venue just makes everything at the venue that much smoother.
0: So I've taken a lot of things out of this um, the positive reinforcement the celebrating those small wins the the planning ahead of time so what and that's where I want to go back to is what's something what's a lesson you've learned you had this plan you've done a few things you're like we're gonna readjust what what's been your readjustments? <laughs>
2: The readjustments, um, (laughs) there have been many, (laughs) Um, um, in many ways it's, um, with all of the additional things, right. That we have going on in and around events right now. Um, even for us, it made already big events seem a lot bigger. Um, There's a lot more detail in them now there's a lot more steps, as we mentioned, not just for the guests, but that's now each step that has to get planned for us as event organizers. And how do we go through this and how do we how do we manage crowd flow from this point to this point to this point to this point when that's now all completely different than what we're used to because we've thrown this extra policy in. and we've done that a lot we evaluate re reevaluated a ton of different things as we've gone through events and it's uh, it's getting feedback from the staff on what's working and not and what's not working um we done we've done a lot of sessions with our um with our CCTV cameras post event and just go back and watch them right? Because when you watch it from above on a camera, it may look different than what it felt like on the ground. And you can see tendencies, you can see exactly what people are doing. And so we've redone entry lanes, we've redone barricade flows, we've redone where we set things up, um, just based on what we're seeing in a essentially a video based hot wash right after an event to figure out what worked and what didn't. Um, One of the other things that we've done too, and again, this may be because we've got a staff of 11 to help us out is we started breaking events down into smaller pieces and saying, Hey, you own, what piece of this do you want to own? So you own this. And then, you know, uh, you know, like, um, Hey, you know, Joe, you're going to own student entry for basketball. You're going to own COVID operations on the exterior. You're going to own briefing on the inside. You're going to own this. So that way, one, it, it's, it decreases that, um, it decreases that, um, that is, yeah, it's, a, it's,
0: it's um, helping you eat the elephant one bite at a time.
2: It is, um, exactly. So it, um, it's, it's decreasing that it's making everyone's sphere of responsibility smaller and making them manage. You know, a smaller group of staff or oversee a smaller group of staff, which then turns around and helps with that engagement, knowing who your staff are and what you do. So exactly. It's breaking that elephant up as much as we can. And that's something that we turned around after I can tell you, we turned around after um, our first couple basketball events and we had a full staff meeting. We were like, all right, we're going to approach this completely differently than we (laughs) have before to be able to go through this and cause this just felt so much bigger than it ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and you know, I sit here a month later thanks to the efforts of our team and it's starting to feel a little bit more normal now um, because of the adjustments we've made, we've been able to, you know, not make it so that anyone is biting off more than they can chew and really deep empowering our staff to to own those things and to your point just break up that puzzle to into manageable pieces
0: because it can be extremely overwhelming if you just look at the giant picture
2: well and it allows us to coming circling back to the original topic it allows us to address guest concerns much faster because you have a person dedicated to that area who maybe they've already answered the same question 15 times out front, so they know exactly what the problem is, and then we can address it that much faster and help get things to resolutions. Or on the backside of things, they're the knowledgeable person who can answer the email on the backside or take the phone call and say, hey, I completely understand. I saw the exact same thing at the game, and these are the changes that we're implementing. Please let us know what you think the next time. Um, And so it's helped on a number of different levels to be able to do that.
1: Becca, are you so we've been talking about things that are particularly relevant at this wonderful moment in our history. But where we started this conversation at the very beginning is a conversation that we've had with a number of other speakers, and I'm thinking of a chat that we had yesterday with Dr. Kevin Clazel, who will be part of today's program and Dr. Clazel has long pointed out that when we get so distracted with the shiny object of the moment, we tend to forget the things that are just kind of perennial risks and hazards of live event production. So let's make sure that we cover that in this conversation as well. So Becca Willis, have you seen any of the kind of ordinary garden variety risks and hazards rearing their fairly ordinary heads? even during this fabulous moment in our world history.
2: What are you talking about? No one spills anything anymore, Steve. We're fine. I. What do you mean?
1: <laughs> well, yes, there's a wonderful example.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> what? Wait, no, people totally stopped spilling things. We're fine. Um, trip hazards no longer exist. Um, exactly. No, so, no, 100%. And... You know, that is, in many ways, it's almost, um, it's almost tuning, and and we've talked about this a lot, even just internally within our own staff, is, is it's, we're, don't get so focused on all of, on, does, you know, does every single person coming through that door have a mask on, that you're missing the fact that they're tripping over the barricade uh, leg when they're on their way in? Or that, you know, they or that, um, you know, we've got wet spills that aren't getting addressed because housekeepers are so worried about wiping down handrails or or doing other things that were added because of, you know, the the challenges of this moment. Right. And so in many ways, it's it's going it's remembering and still reinforcing the basics of what we need to do. Um, And it's, and that is, you know, making sure that we're, you know, upon entry, we're still trying to organize people into lanes that keep moving and get people in. Right. And so it's still remembering to make announcements and the announcements aren't just masking. It's, hey, where can you enter? Step to your right, step to your left. Hey, we've this go to lane number five. That one's moved. There's no line up there. Go here, um, and not just focusing on the shiny and new. And it is hard to do because that's so much in the center of what everyone's focus is, and in many ways, um, and what feels like all of the guest grievances and and comments that are made seem it feels like that that's what they're all about. But those are just the ones that you hear the loudest. That doesn't mean that um, that doesn't mean that hey the the thing that was a, the piece of carpet that always comes unglued isn't unglued. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it is definitely a challenge and it's all still there. And it's again, that's some of the reason why what we were talking about, even with with our with our staff and and as we go through the day, it's here's your five to seven basics. These are your basics, your basics, your basics. Um, I can't think of how many briefings just for football game days myself I've done where it's today is about basics. Just execute your basics um, as you go through, and you know you're still going to have tickets that scan invalid that you have to figure out what to do with, and you need to make sure they don't get in if they're not in if they're not valid because then you're going to have seating issues on the backside, and who do which person do you? asked to leave. Um, and so all of those things are still there. And it's almost, and to your point, 100%, it, it can and does get lost in the, does this person have this wristband or this mask or, or whatever as you go. Um, and I think that's just another one of those challenges that we face with Briefing of staff, prepping venues, planning for venues, but then also making sure that we're responding equally to those complaints and those concerns from guests as we're as we're in, in events, because a wet spill on the floor. Hey, I spilled my soda in the middle of a in the middle of a concourse is in many ways more of an immediate hazard than the one guy who's not wearing a mask because he's drinking his coke while also walking on the same concourse. Um and so, you know, it's keeping all of the normal things in perspective and realizing that you need all of it to have a safe event and an enjoyable event for everyone involved.
0: Well, that couldn't button this episode of Event Safety TV up any better if we'd asked you to give us a specific line. So thank you so much for joining us today. We, uh, I'm inspired. Steve, you inspired?
1: I'm inspired and, and frankly, overwhelmed. Um, I'm exhausted listening to how much you do, Becca. And frankly, I'm glad that I don't have to be you right now. (laughs) But I'm glad that
2: you're you. I've got a great team. All them.
0: Awesome. Uh, Thank you again. And everybody out there, we'll see you in our next episode.